party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am joined by Daniel Kwan, game designer and host of the Asians Represent podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network, for a game of Ross Rifles. Ross Rifles is a Powered by the Apocalypse game of World War I trench warfare. It specifically tells stories of Canadian soldiers on the front to explore kind of what it means to be a Canadian, what it means to be a soldier, and what it means to fight the kind of war that has never been fought before. It is, I think as you'll hear in the episode, a beautiful game. It is a well-thought-out game. It is a well-researched and tested game. The story behind the game is astoundingly good, which you'll hear on the episode. This is This was a lovely experience playing through this, and I'm super excited for you to get to hear it. Please, uh, the game is currently on Kickstarter. Please go check it. Check the show notes for a link. Go back it. Make it a reality because I want to see this game in the world. It is astoundingly good and cool and interesting and evocative and just like everything that I want in tabletop games. I love this game and I hope that you will go back it. You can find more information about that in the show notes. Before we dive in, there are two quick things that I want to talk to you about. The first, speaking of beautiful tabletop games that are also on Kickstarter, I want to talk to you about Twain. Twain is a short, single-player LARP by Jay Lee that is about you playing yourself, exploring your fictionalized history of growing up with a twin. The two of you used to do magic together. Now you've lost touch. And you are going to a place that is special to the both of you, only to discover that they are not there. It is... I was sent a preview copy of the game, and I played through it, and it is... Like, one of those utterly beautiful experiences that are the kind of things that bring me to tabletop, and I could not be happier with it. The production is amazing, the content is breathtaking, I really cannot recommend going and picking up this game and backing it and making it a reality because it is it's incredible it's astoundingly good you can find more information about twain in the show notes i recommend you go and check out the kickstarter because it the game itself is beautiful like from a content perspective but also just a production and design perspective it's a beautiful beautiful game the other thing that i wanted to mention also in the show notes is a link to the audioverse awards voting form Party of One has been nominated for the Audioverse Awards, which is a yearly awards focused on audio fiction podcasting. Uh, we've been nominated for Best Improvised Production and uh, Best Player Director in an Improvised Production. It would mean a lot to me, personally, if you would go and vote and help make us a winner in that category, either of those categories. There are also another, tons of other wonderful shows that are nominated, shows that I deeply love that you've heard me talk about before on the show, that it would that your support, it's ranked voting, so you can support more than one, so your support there would be great. Uh, Daniel has, an, has a, his also been nominated for Dungeons & Asians, uh, Horror Borealis, uh, other shows on the One Shot Network, like All My Fantasy Children, Arms of the Tide, shows that I love, like Autonomic. There are a ton of wonderful shows that have all been nominated, that, like, if you could show support for those, it, it, I know from talking to other fiction podcasters that it means a lot to be nominated and it means a lot to have people go and vote. So go and do that. It would mean a lot to me personally. And with all that said, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am sitting down with Daniel Kwan. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So real quick, at the top of the show, why don't you take a moment and introduce us not just to the game that we're playing this week, uh, but also anything else that you have going on that you might want the audience at home to know about. Oh, my God. So I am the co-host of the Asians Represent podcast. Uh, we talk about you know issues that Asian creators face in the in tabletop gaming industry, as well as highlighting their contributions. We have a Dungeons and Dragons actual play called Dungeons and De Asians. It's a very it's good name. It, like a very, it's a very good I, name. You know what? It took us weeks to get that name. <laughs> we we were, yeah. And then and then that one came up as a joke, and then we stuck with it That's, because we couldn't think of anything better. I feel like I feel like it's the joke ones that like are the ones that eventually like really stick with you, and you're like, you know what? That's got to be the one for a reason, right? And and you know the reception to it has been great. Um, other than that, I um, I got Ross Rifles on Kickstarter, and I uh, I do a lot of, like, games education in my day job, and one of the things that I help run is called Level Up Gaming. It's an organization in Toronto that I co-founded, and we help adults with autism and other disabilities develop their social skills through tabletop games. 
And we're actually undergoing uh, kind of an expansion right now, so it's pretty cool. That's super. That's uh, that's unbelievable. I did not know that was. That's <laughs> super cool, man. That's wow. I'm... Yeah, we've been doing it for almost three years now. That's so cool. Almost three years, and we play D and D weekly with or and board games with our clients. If I if we didn't if the, if we didn't have a set format to this show, this would be an hour long conversation of me just sitting back and going <laughs> like, please tell me more. Cause I mean, we could we could always do that one day. I don't I, mind. <laughs> I would like I would like to do that because you have you have gotten my you have you have my attention on this. So we will we will do this one day. But for today, tell us about Ross Rifles because that's what we're playing this week. Yeah, it's uh, Ross Rifles is a tabletop RPG set in the Canadian trenches of the First World War. It's it's about soldiers and members of the Canadian Expeditionary Force experiencing World War One. It's about the bonds that, you know, tie all of these soldiers together and their shared experience trying to survive, you know, the world's first industrialized war. Incredible. And yeah, and it's and it's from the Canadian perspective. I mean, you could play as an American, you could you could really play as anybody in in this game, but the way the the way the book is themed and the moves are all themed around uh, Canadians and kind of highlighting and the diversity of the Canadian Expeditionary Force, but also undermining our perceptions of what it meant to actually be a Canadian soldier during that war. Uh, as you know, as a Canadian myself, you know when we're when we're learning about World War One in like the tenth grade in high school, you you look at your textbooks and you or you watch your documentaries and you just see you see you know Caucasian people uh, mm-hmm. fighting this war for Canada, and I. Through through happenstance, I actually met this engineer who was doing research on Chinese soldiers in the First World War, and I thought I, I didn't even know Chinese people fought in the First World War. And he told me about um, this this man named Frederick Lee, who is one of the only recorded Canadian-born Chinese people to fight and die in World War One. And so I kind of dove into Frederick's story and, and learning about. What it meant to to be Canadian, and what it meant to you know, fight in this war. So I learned about the Chinese people. I learned about the Japanese people. I learned about the you know, the Black Canadians and the Indigenous peoples who fought in the war, and their contributions. And I wanted to design a game that would not only be entertaining and capture that gritty trench warfare, but also allow people to truly play out the diversity of the first world war and represent their communities in the war i love like that is (laughs) that is one of the most beautiful pitches that i think we've had on party of one like this is thank you i am i am in awe i'm so you have made me so unbelievably excited to play this game like right now so let's (laughs) let's get into it yeah totally so uh when you're when you're looking at your uh, playbook. There are six of them. Mm-hmm. So there's the sergeant. The sergeant's kind of the uh, the the soldier that carries the responsibility of the section. That's the squad. The section's actions. You um, you take everything. So if they if they if they mess up, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So the sergeant's kind of the leader. Uh, the next one's the creative. Uh, every single playbook is kind of based on was based on actual people in the war. Love that. Uh, the creative is, is based on J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, who fought in the First World War, uh, and his experiences in the war actually informed a lot of the themes that are in uh, the Lord of the Rings. I, I did know that. I I, remember, I know like a lot of the a lot of the arc of like going into Mordor is is specifically like representative of like going from a very you know, comfortable life into this thing that has never existed before and then tr- having yeah. to come back changed. Yeah, and that, that loss of innocence mm-hmm. is, is something that, that Tolkien writes about. So there, that's the creative, and the creative is somebody who, you know, has these talents that aren't suited to the war but holds on to them, and in holding on to those talents, the creative can help raise the morale of everyone. Uh, the next was the scrounger. The scrounger is somebody who is re- very, very good at getting supplies. The scrounger 
kind of based on all of the artifacts that we saw when researching this. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a former archaeologist. I worked in the museum industry for 14 years. And uh, our first playtest of this was actually on Remembrance Day 2017, and we playtested it with 50 students. And we, we went through the Battle of Vimy Ridge. And one of the things we saw when we were we went to Ottawa to go to the War Museum to actually handle the Ross rifles and all the weapons and artifacts was that people were, you know, making art and, uh, you know, stands and tables out of garbage. And so we thought we, we'd take the scrounger and make that a, a character who can make anything mm -hmm. useful for the people. Uh, next is the replacement. The replacement is based on actually my co-author's great-grandfather, who uh, was meant to, who was actually enlisted in the Canadian Expeditionary Force. And as he was sailing over to Europe, the war ended and he never got to fight. But the replacement's based on anybody who was meant to fight in the war, didn't get a chance to fight, or based on people who didn't want to fight mm. in the war and were forced to. So the replacement's kind of a character who fits into the group, replacing somebody who's dear to the rest of the group. So this is kind of a character that kind of very much informs your initial storytelling. Like, who was killed? Was it, you know, um, a dear friend or was it their former commander? So the replacement is not necessarily like a low-level character. Uh, then there's the Scarred. The Scarred is somebody who has experienced combat before. They might be somebody who fought in the Second South African War. Or it might be somebody who lived a really hard life before the war and that those experiences actually allowed them to survive in the trenches. Uh, and in doing so, they, they sort of shoulder the responsibility of keeping everyone alive. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like the opposite of the sergeant in that they don't care about hierarchy as much as they care about keeping everyone alive. Then there's the scout. And the scout is... The, the sniper, the killer, the person who is good at surviving in no man's land. The scout is based on a lot of the indigenous peoples who fought in the war who were very, very talented snipers, particularly one named Francis Pegamagabo. And he, he was actually the most lethal soldier of the entire war, and he killed nearly 400 people. Wow. Yeah. And he survived the war and everything. That's incredible. Yeah, so those are our six playbooks, and for our Kickstarter, we plan on rolling out uh, a seventh one, the Medic, as a uh, stretch goal. Ooh, that one does. I, I, I do love a good Medic. Yeah, and th you're actually, we're at, this game right now is going to be the first first ever one-on-one -on -one game of Ross Rifles oh. outside of the testing room. I'm so excited. And I have been, I've been... I've been talking about this. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts, like, you know, promoting Ross Rifles at our Kickstarter, and I've been talking about this game on a couple of them. Oh, I'm so excited. That makes me so happy. I've been, yeah, I've got some big plans for you. Good. I'm very <laughs> excited. So I, I think I want to play the Scrounger. I think the Scrounger feels Sweet. the most, like, feels the most fun to me, especially as someone, I love the idea of just someone, it, the line in the playbook of, like, it's not the most glamorous, but it ensures that we can live, move, and fight. I love the idea yeah. of a person that like is keeping things running, not like not in a glamorous way or kind of in a like kind of in a little bit in a behind the scenes way of like, oh, do we need do we need that? I can. Yeah, I can. Give me give me two hours and I'll I'll put that in place. Sweet. OK, so we got the scrounger. So when you're creating your character on the left side, you're going to pick your uniform, your appearance, and then obviously your name, player name. Uh, my, uh, my uniform is, I love, I love stained. I, I am someone who is, uh, I, I, I have a stained uniform and a, I think an athletic body. I think I have like a, yeah, maybe at somewhere between stained and somewhere between stained and ill-fitting where it's like, I am wearing whatever stuff I could have thrown on. And I am almost like deceptively athletic underneath that because I am someone that is, you know, constantly on my feet, right? Like I, 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 yeah. I think if I stand still for too long, I kind of start to do that bob back and forth. You're, you're like, you're, you're, you're toned. Mm -hmm. You've got that wiry strength. Yeah. Okay. I think my name is Wayne. I like, I like Wayne Murphy. Wayne Murphy. Okay. So we got Wayne Murphy. You're the scrounger. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll see that you've got equipment. Mm -hmm. Now, weapons in this game don't deal damage. If you hit somebody, if you shoot somebody in this game, they go down. 
And that's kind of reflective of medicine at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a 1911 semi-automatic pistol and a hatchet. Uh, and you do not begin with any grenades. Now, you'll see under tools and other, those are things that you already have. So you have an entrenching tool, which is like a kind of um, the Canadian entrenching tool during World War One was odd. It looked like a mix of a pickaxe and a shovel. Mm-hmm. Like imagine a hand pickaxe, but one of the ends of the pickaxe was a shovel oh, yeah. blade. Um, the other lists everything that you would have possibly been carrying. Mm-hmm. And then you have a personal item. Now, that personal item is something that is uh, not standard issue. It's a uh, something that you've been holding on to since the war started or, you know, something from home or something that you found uh, in Europe during your time here. And that has a mechanical effect in game. I think my personal uh, so item you- is... Uh- I was going to go with like a nice lighter, but I almost think it's like it's I think it's a one now that once you said like something that I found while I'm in Europe, I think it is something that I think it is like a toy. I think it's like a jack in the box. Like, I think it's like a small toy jack in the box that I've been like that, like I picked up in like a town that we passed through. Like, I just thought it was I just thought it was neat. And I think I have an eye for like gadgets and for you know the the way things work and so like the idea of the jack in the box as a mechanical thing like i was like this is just a neat you know as an you know it's one of those things you can look at and just go like this is a fun functional thing and so i've just been holding on to it fixed it up oh i do love that i love that oh yeah it was definitely like like it didn't work and i've been like you know, screwing things in and like uh, maybe re- maybe like replacing gears when I have the time. And it's the thing that I sort of, you know, work on when I'm not working on other things. It's my it's my me project. So it's 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 basically, oh, that leads into uh, another the special project. So it's basically the only jack in the box in Europe that has military parts in it. This is true. <laughs> it's a hell of a jack in the box. So you have your personal item, and I'll get to the, the effects because mm-hmm. related to stress. In the middle of your of your playbook, you have your attributes. So uh, your three attrib- your four attributes in order from left to right are valor, which is your bravery and leadership, I, which represents your observational skills, but also skills with firearms. Your wit uh, is your quick thinking. And your brawn is your physical strength. So the scrounger starts with a one in wit and brawn, and then you get to add one to any of the four attributes. I'm going to add one to eye. I've got an eye for detail. I've got an eye for the finer things. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a, a one in everything but valor. Mm-hmm. Now you have two questions. How long have you been stationed on the Western Front? And what was your trader calling before the war? Now I'll let you know um, the little scenario that we're going to run through. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be 1917. It's going to be on this date. It's going to be September 23rd, 1917. And we're going to be right in the middle of the Battle of Passchendaele. I'm going to say I've been here, I'm going to say I've been here about a year. I've been here about a year, long enough, long enough to know sort of the people to talk to and the things to do and, you know, like where to go and who to talk to. Okay. So you've been, been here for about a year, um, you weren't in the initial wave of soldiers that came over here in 1915, but you've been here long enough to have experienced some major battles. Mm-hmm. So w- what do you think you did before the war? That's your second question. What did, what did you do before the war? They work. They're like, um, I've come from a family of, you know, um, not watchmakers per se, but like clockmakers and like makers of sort of or sort of ornate grant like a, an ornate grandfather clock like my father sold ornate grandfather clocks and I was basically like his apprentice as he like you know and that's kind of where I the jack I, in the box makes sense yeah it's kind of where I picked it up it was a it was a you know learning to appreciate the beauty on the outside and the finely tuned mechanical parts on the inside has just been like where I like where I grew up for as like and I think it's specifically grandfather clocks, it's organs, it's big, elaborate, ornate pieces that require that sort of mechanical thing. I think I, I think I have a little bit of disdain for for the pocket watch and for the the wrist watch because I'm like, it's fine, but like, where's the majesty in it? You know, where's the 
Yeah. Where's the poetry? Okay. Sweet. Okay. So you had a, a job that wasn't all that necessarily related to the war mm-hmm. effort, but your skills really helped you out. So you, you have the scrounger has a special project, something that you've been kind of working on the side. And is it this jack in the box you're trying to fix? Um, or is there is there something else? I think it's I think it's related to the jack in box, but it's larger than the jack in the box, which is like I am building uh i am for lack of a better term like a toy maker you know what i mean i am making i am i i I build toys to hand to to soldiers that they might take them home or like give them a little piece of home that they might bring back something to sort of remind them that like there's a world outside of the war that's super cool that's super cool okay now i like that a lot now, so instead of special project, it's more, that's more of a social thing for you, and you're working on mm-hmm. several little things. Okay. Now, bonds are usually done between the group. So when you have multiple players, bonds are what we do at the end to kind of bring everyone together. Okay. In, in a one-on-one game, uh, they're not going to be as necessary, but if you were playing one-on-one, you can make these NPCs. That makes sense. That seems like a good way to do it. On the right-hand side, you'll see four things, ground, experience, harm, and stress. Yep. Ground is, um, we're going to probably make that an optional rule in the final version of the game, but ground is used to track your narrative momentum towards your objective. Uh, We've kind of designed Ross Rifles in a way that it would appeal to people who come from more traditional games like Mm D&D, but also people who love the the narrative emphasis of indie RPGs. So Ross Rifles has uh, an equal emphasis on both drama, roleplay, and combat. And ground is one way to make it a little bit more tactical and longer than a traditional PBTA game. I love that. I I, I like I like games that that sort of do that night hit that nice that nice middle ground balance. I, I appreciate coming at it from both sides, so to speak. Yeah, we wanted to make a war game where you can actually fight in a war, not just kind of be on the receiving end of conflict. Yeah, there are both. Uh, experience is obviously tracked when um, you earn experience when you resolve bonds, when they change, or when you complete objectives. Harm represents, you know, physical damage mm-hmm. that your characters take. Uh, four seemed to be the sweet spot for us. We did a lot of testing with the Canadian military, uh, playing with actually uh, a, whole, a whole unit of Afghanistan vets who are all medics. Um just to make sure that this was respectful. Mm-hmm. And then stress represents psychological damage. So obviously, historically, shell shock, sure. war neurosis sure. were, were really big. And so stress and harm are both basically negative effects that you track, except stress has compounding effects on you. So as you accumulate more stress, bad things happen to you to the point where, you know, if you have five points of stress, all of your seven to nine rolls count as sixes. That's So you incredible. fail. So it's super brutal. But the idea of that, and it's very hard for a, like a one-player game, but the idea of stress is for the players to lean on each other so they can remove stress mm-hmm. through role play. Um, with a one-on-one game, the stress will actually make the game feel hectic and uh, is meant to make you feel anxious because, well, when you see, we're gonna, you're, you'll understand why you might have some stress. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, that, that personal item will actually allow you to remove one stress once per session or avoid the consequences of a failed roll and re-roll. Now, uh, my one mechanical question is, this is, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into this as I accumulate stress because there's no way that I'm not going to accumulate stress. Am I, <laughs> am I picking or do I go down the boxes in order like I would with harm? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes, yeah. And so, you know, harm when you're killed in action, you're out of the narrative. Mm -hmm. And stress, when you reach your breaking point, that's when your soldier goes catatonic and you can't defend yourself anymore. So both, there are two ways in which you can exit the narrative through harm or stress. And on the second page, you have your scrounger moves. Uh, Dig in is automatically picked for you. So you get to pick one of, you know, repurpose, resupply, or sabotage for yourself. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with repurpose. That feels right. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like what your character would do. Now, if you look at your your playbook moves, but if you also look at the move sheet for Ross Rifles, you notice that we have icons next to the different mm-hmm. moves. Now, these icons indicate are, are meant to help the reader and the user see which 
attribute they're rolling with. Uh, that makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. So um, when you're looking at, say, faceful through adversity, you know it's a valor move, but you also know that it's a harm removal move because it has the harm symbol yep. next to it. So we tried to make this game as accessible as possible. But that's character creation. And that's it. We're done. I, 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 feel, very, I feel very passionate about this character. I'm... I'm... <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, like Wayne Murphy is a compelling character to me because you're, you, you've got this, like you're making toys for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're making toys for people. And, uh, this kind of fixed, fit, fits perfectly into what I had planned. Perfect. I'm excited. So I'm going to, I'm going to set the scene and we're going to, we're going to dive right Let's into do it. it. So again, it's September 23rd, 1917. The, the Battle of Passchendaele rages on, and there's been a lull in the fighting. There's been a lull in the fighting, and you decided to go out into no man's land because um, to retrieve materials for your special project. Uh, a nearby farmhouse had been destroyed, and you had heard rumors that there had been a family living there, and you thought that you might be able to retrieve some parts for your jack-in-the-box mm-hmm. and some toys that you might be able to repurpose to help uh, boost morale. Unfortunately, when you snuck out into no man's land and were collecting materials, you hear the crack of a sniper's rifle and it cuts through this like eerie silence. Now, this sniper wasn't shooting at you. The, the sniper seemed to have shot at a Canadian soldier and your line in the trench retaliated. And you found yourself in the middle of no man's land in the midst of a gunfight. Now, Excellent. you took cover. You took cover in a blown out crater. No man's land was not perfectly flat and there were tons of blown sure. out craters. And you took cover in a crater. The rain begins to slowly fall and you can kind of feel the ground soften underneath you in this crater. And our game's going to begin with you in the crater, perhaps pistol drawn, sitting across from a young German soldier who had also been scavenging out in no man's land with his pistol drawn. Yeah, I got my pistol drawn. Uh, I've got it pointed. I have it pointed um, at the... I have it at the low ready. I think I have it not, like, directly out there. You know, it's not like... not. I'm not ready aim fire. I have it, and I'm pointing it out. But I also have my other hand up just to say... You know, to 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 show like I'm not going to pull the trigger just yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm I I I have it ready to ready to open fire if need be, but I also want mm-hmm. to throw the symbol of throw the symbol of peace and say like you know we're not we're not here yet. Yeah, and, and this German soldier he he looks like this is late in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, his German soldier he he looks gotta be like freshly 18 super young still basically a kid and he's he's holding his his luger pistol out at you and his his pistol is also at the low but his hands are shaking you can tell he's been out in no man's life for a while he's like super dirty he's thin like he hasn't been eating and he he kind of like holds his pistol out to you kind of raises one hand similar to what you've done as these bullets just kind of like fly overhead, he's trying not to like peek his head up too big, too high, but he's also like, he clearly doesn't trust you. And he's like holding his pistol out and uh, you can see he's shouting at you. He's shouting at you in German. And I don't know if your character understands German. I don't think I do. And I think I'm... Man, he's just shouting at you, but it doesn't sound angry. He's like, it's almost like he's pleading with you. So I, I take my other hand and I keep the gun. I put I sort of turn the gun to the side and I lower it while still keeping my hands on it sort of in a step away from the low ready position. And I start to reach for something on my belt while also, like very, very slowly, like as slow as I okay. can. So as you do that, you can see he tenses up like he understands that you're, you're maybe he thinks you might be trying to get him to lower his guard and grab another weapon. So he he kind of puts both hands on his pistol now when he aims them at you. You can see that he's like he's just shouting, but his his cries are almost like deafened out by mm-hmm. the sound of machine gun fire going in both directions around you. And I, I am going to I'm going to put my hand back up 
and I'm going to set down my pistol. And I'm going to raise my hand up, and I'm going to wait and see what he does. So as you you set down your pistol in the mud, you can see, like, the rain kind of pooling all around it. He kind of looks at you, and he dashes forward, and he grabs your pistol. And he, he's kind of holding it, and he, he sticks it in, in his pack. Like, he's got little pouches around his, uh, around his, his coat. And he, he sticks it in one of the pockets, and he holds his pistol at you. But, again, he takes one hand off of it, and is kind of holding it out in front of him, saying, like, you know, he, indicating that he's going to shoot you and, and kill you if, if you, you know, make the wrong move. And so but I'm going to— You've kind of de- de-escalated I'm going to calmly bit. reach back for my belt. And I'm going to take out something that I was carrying with me. It, okay, what is it? It is a, um, it is a little tiny, um, it is like a tiny, not quite, it's a, you could call it like a, like a, like a sculpted horse, but I think that would be generous. <laughs> I think that would be generous. So it's the, it's some form of an animal yeah okay some form of animal you know made out of uh what's it made out of just like um it was it's literally like a like a can with some some chunks of like scrap metal or like shell debris (laughs) that have been formed into like it's very obviously like a thing that i was just gonna hand to somebody on a lark and now i'm like just slowly taking it out (laughs) okay um, he kind of, he's, he's super confused. And I just like super offer confused. it forward and I'm like, I try to like smile and keep the hand up as I raise this, as I offer this thing forward. He lowers his pistol a little bit further, almost as if it's just like, he, he, cause you're kind of both sitting in the dirt mm-hmm. and it's now resting on his, on his thigh. And he, he takes it and he's, you could tell he's trying to look at this strange thing you've given him while also keeping an eye on you. And he's confused. He says, he, he's trying to say something to you. He's, he, maybe he's trying to say the word peace to you. But he's, he's, uh, he, he wants to make sure that, you know, you're on the same page. And uh, my, my hands just go right back up and I give like the slightest bit of a shrug and just a like, I got nothing. I have nothing, no hands, nothing up my sleeves, nothing, nothing happening here. So he... He actually, he recognizes that, and he he holsters his pistol. But you notice that he doesn't close the clasp on his holster, as if he wants to be able to draw it out, draw it quickly again. And he takes this horse, and he kind of looks at it, and he kind of sits back, and you kind of see that he he's reaching into his pack, and he hands you something small in his hand, as if to trade. What uh, what is it? I'm gonna look immediately at it. it it, it looks to be like a small square, uh, a f- sort of a square piece of, looks to be like metal or something like a foil wrapping, something wrapped in foil. Uh, I'm going to immediately, well, I'm going to like um, cover it with an arm and try to, and like try to, you know, awkwardly unwrap it with one hand because whatever is wrapped in this foil, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it. So as you unwrap it in the rain, you see that it's like um, a little piece of chocolate, probably the remains of a large bar. And I, I, I smile and I, I give like a very like a happy nod and I, I try to like I break off a piece and I eat it and then I like offer some of it back to see if he wants to eat some like eat some with me as well. Yeah, and he actually comes up to you and he he takes it and he eats, he pops it in his mouth as if like. You know, almost as if he, he, this is the last chocolate he's ever going to eat. And he looks at you and he, he nods and he actually, um, he looks at you and he kind of, you can see him kind of eyeing his, the direction of, uh, he eyeing east, the direction of his trench. And um, he looks at you and he kind of turns his head in your direction, the western direction. To see if you're going to be uh, heading back to your trench, and I, I am, I am equally gesturing back while also keeping very low to be like, you know, to signal that probably not leaving at this moment on account of all of the bullets. 
Not account of all the bullets. He kind of, and he kind of looks to you and he, he, he takes his, um, your pistol and he hands it back to you. And I, I, I holster as it. As a sign of trust. I holster it and I actually collapse, uh, like I do close the clasp. Oh, and I think, you know, he's going to respond to that and he's going to do it as well. And I give him a nod and I slowly start to like figure out how to best get out of this wet, muddy, sort of impasse of a crater. <laughs> Yeah. Now he he gets up, and uh, he's kind of looking like signal. Like you could see that he's. It's almost like he's crouching now, and he's trying to run, and or getting prepared to to leap out and and kind of try to run back. And as he like kind of peeks his head up a bit, you hear this like the crack of a sniper's rifle, and you hear this ping, and as a bullet grazes his helmet, knocking it off his head. And he falls back into the trench, his helmet uh, now outside in the rain. His hair is getting soaked by the rain now. This shot came from your trench. Oh, for fuck's sake. A Canadian sniper is kind of now has a beat on him and doesn't know that you're there. <sighs> and he kind of looks to you and, he, and he's terrified. Because the thing is, if I come out now, this sniper's going to have a beat on me and probably not realize that I am coming back. Yeah. <sighs> there's got to be something that there's got to be something that I can do. Yeah, you're going to have to figure out a way to to signal to them that you're Canadian. Now, there's a lot of noise going on here, too. So... It's um. It, it'll be hard to 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 shout back over to them. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take off. I think I know what I'd like to do. I'm gonna take off a sock. Okay. I'm gonna take off a sock. Ooh. Okay. I'm gonna try to like rip it, and like maybe try to find like a stick in the mud and like forming some variants of. I'm guessing it's not necessarily a white flag, but like clearly, <laughs> clearly the color equivalent of a white flag that is a rag on a stick that I can like wave to try and wave. If the sniper's watching, they can see the, 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 the sock. <laughs> yeah, they'll see the sock, they'll see the stick, and they'll see that this is, I believe, a fairly universal symbol of, of like, we will, of, you know surrender or like at least not a threat yeah you know what okay this is what i want you to do um i'd like you to roll blend in this is going to be a wit roll it's going to be a wit roll that is a nine okay so now here's the thing you 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 wave your your sock on the stick in the air, peeking it above the trench. And you know, no shots are fired directly at you. Shots are still going off around you. Um, and you, you, you realize that you have an option. You, can, you could probably leave. So this, this might be your opportunity. But the soldier, he's like now right behind you and he's holding on to you as if pleading for you to like take him with you or to help him because he knows that you know if you you if you leave and he's stuck there he's he's going to die that's the difficult situation god that's a very difficult situation <laughs> i am going to i'm going to hang tight and i'm going to just like i'm going to to hang tight and know that they're not going to open fire. Right. That, Because for me, the thing that I didn't want to happen was for either of us to come out. For either of us to come out and get and have like a sniper on us. If the sniper has yeah. recognized that we're not a threat. Then I'm fine laying low for a while longer. You know what I mean? Like I'm OK. Right. Staying here. In the, in the, the, in the, uh, I'm fine. In this, like, crater? Yeah, I'm fine in the crater for now. Like, to continue to just kind of monitor the situation and maybe just, like, periodically, like, keep my, peek my head out, 
you know, stick in hand and just try to, like, wait. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't super love the idea of running out right now to begin with, with all of the machine gun fire. So I'm a yeah. bit I'm a bit in a position of I don't necessarily want to uh, even on the best turns I'd mainly just want to make sure that the sniper has taken their bead off of us. Yeah, and they and they definitely have. So you're gonna wait it yeah. out. Is essentially what you're saying. You're gonna wait it out. Yeah. Uh, how are you gonna let him know? Because he's like he's like clawing at you because he thinks you're gonna leave him. And I I, I I put I kind of like I I kind of turn back around and I put my hands on his shoulders and I kind of like crouch back down with my hands kind of on the shoulder sort of like half pushing him down and half just like letting my body kind of like move like like seeing if he'll move kind of with my body back down into the back down into the the crater and he he you could tell that he's he was even though it was raining you could tell that he was certainly crying mm-hmm. and even though you're in the middle of no man's land, one of the deadliest places to be in the Western Front with an enemy soldier. And I'm sure he's feeling the same way. He actually kind of feels, he feels safe for a moment. Like, you're not going to kill him. Like, you aren't going to get him killed. And he kind of sits back in the mud. And uh, at this point, there's just like a whole ton of mud and the water is pooling at the bottom of this crater. And he kind of sits there and he sits back it just kind of lies there and looks up at the sky as if this like huge weight has just instantly been lifted off of him. And, uh, and yeah, and what are you going to do? Like this gunfight might end soon. It, it might not. But the, uh, the soldiers on the Canadian side, you, you could tell that they're, um, they've stopped firing. They've stopped firing, at least in your area, and they might be communicating to each other that there might be a friendly trapped in no man's land. Okay. I I can't stay here for much. I mean, if I'm here and a squad of friendlies show up, then this poor kid is far worse off than if I'm here by myself. So I can't continue to stay here, but I have to do something to... I have to do something to get some kind of a distraction in play. I mean, no man's land is no man's land. It's chaos incarnate, but I gotta see if I can find, so see if I can do something to cause some kind of a distraction, even if it's, you know, a water spout, a mudslide, a something to see if I can't like do something that will, not necessarily draw sniper attention, but will cause enough, like, uh, enough of a distraction that maybe we can get a few minutes of movement in back towards our respective sides. Ah, okay. So you, you want to create a distraction. Yeah, maybe just, like, a, li- a little bit of, like, natural movement. I think I'm maybe even, like, I think I'm, like, taking, you know, f- sh- you know, shuffling through my belt seeing if there's anything that I might be able to, like, grab out and sort of, like, do some shoveling or something like that and, like, try and make... So that maybe, maybe like, if somebody were to see it, especially in the dark when gunfire's not lighting up the space, they might just think, oh, a crater's collapsing or something so that we can kind of both start moving in our direction. Yeah, I mean, you have your entrenching tool, so you might you might be able to even dig your way over towards the canadian side that might be so i think i'm going to use my i'm going to pull out my entrenching tool and try and dig dig maybe not like through to the the other side but like something that might cause it to kind of like shift and collapse a little bit and i kind of start to like i signal this very calmly trying to signal to my friend that like that like when this starts that like you know i kind of gesture to the mud and i like when this moves we move and I sort of take my hands and I part them to be like when this when when this you know collapses we both move because it will hopefully cause a certain degree of distraction yeah and so you're 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 still ultimately going to want to move towards your allies correct okay so he looks you like knowingly and he understands he understands that I think a part of him suspects that you're taking him as a prisoner 
and he seems almost willing to go. If that's if that's what he chooses, then that's what he chooses. I'm not going to I'm not going to dissuade him of that, and that might be, you know, the best option for him to survive this close to yeah. this close to the Canadian side. So if he wants to come with, he can come with. If he runs the other side, he runs to the other side. I'm gonna yeah. continue. If he accepts you to give him the option, and he kind of looks you and he he holds out his hand and it's like muddy and he's got like tattered gloves on and he just holds out his hand and he says Lucas says his name Wayne and I shake his hand back and you shake hands in the rain and it's uh it's, it's quite the moment so uh would you like to roll dig in I would love to roll dig in it's on your playbook oh, it's on my playbook yeah, oh, yeah it's on right, your playbook right. yes. it's on yes I did yes yeah this is a this is a scrounger move all right I'm gonna roll I, I think this is probably wit I think I'm repurposing something yeah, do you want to re- repurpose? I'm down. Uh, either, I mean, either way, it's the same bonus, and either way, that's a seven. Oh, okay. So, uh, choose two. Um, I'm going to... No, I'm choosing one. Either the cover... You've got a seven. Yeah, and a seven and nine choose... Oh, you're... you're... Oh, are you are you using dig in or repurpose? Oh, oh, Sorry. oh I'm, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna use repurpose here. I think that makes sense. That okay. makes sense. And I'm going to. Yes, yeah, so you choose two on repurpose and one on dig in. Yeah, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna uh, cause this to be unreliable. And okay. Um, say that it takes longer than I thought. Okay. So, uh, you begin, you know, kind of like undermining the structural integrity of, of the ground itself. And as it rains and as the, the mud weakens the soil, it kind of collapses around you and you're able to make your way through it. Uh, but as you do so, Lucas is trying to like follow you through this. It's just almost like you're making an, like craters, like a tunnel to mm-hmm. another crater. And as he follows you, you see that he like slips in the mud and as he slips in the mud and he's like trying to like get up, you see this like horrible sight. The ground looks like it's bleeding. <sighs> and you see the, um, the rain is actually uncovering the bodies of Germans and Canadians in, uh, that, have, that, that were lost in the mud. And Lucas kind of stumbles back, take it back. He's he's clearly never seen anything like this. And he is he's freaking out. And he runs back, you know, in the direction of like kind of crawls back in the direction of, you know, his allies and is is freaking out. And you can see that he's he just like he breaks. <sighs> he breaks and he actually leaves the crater and begins running. Well, I, I guess that I guess that that's our cue. I guess I'm gonna run in the opposite direction and you know keep my head down and do what I can to get through and get back to my get back to my side. Yeah. So um, why don't you roll fall back? All right. Like that's what you're doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. So that's wit. Oh, and that is that is boxcar, so that is a 13. Oof. Oh, nice. So you zigzag your way through no man's land, and you see your the, as you as you near the trench, you can see your allies, your mates, and they're like they're calling for you like, oh my god, Murphy! Murphy's alive! And I, I think and there's probably at least one or two moments where like because like I, I, I've been around and I know people, I'm like there's Thompson and I kind of zig knowing like where Thompson is stationed and like where he's going to be looking with his rifle. And I'm like, there's okay. That's Thompson. I do not want to cross Thompson's territory. He's not going to be judging. And so like I'm zigging and zagging playing as much like my knowledge of my, of my uh, fellow soldiers as I am the terrain and no man's land as I just like tumble back like over the trench and bound into the mud. Yeah. And you, dive over the top into your your trenches and your and your fellow soldiers they like catch you and you you land in a heap on the you know the rotten wooden duckboards of the trench floor 
And they're like, and they're greeting. They're like, oh my God, he, he's alive. How, we, we thought you were dead. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the only one. They, they say, we, we, saw, we saw a German out there. And, and, I, and I think that Osborne just shot him. Yeah. No, that, that, that checks out. And I, I try not to let, I try not to let my shoulders sag and my, my, my body slouch too much hearing that. Cause like, I can't confirm whether or not it's true or not. I just kind of have to yeah. hope it's not true. And like in the back of my mind, but I can't say that out loud because well, he's on the other side now. And he's on the other side. Yeah. You don't know if you're going to get reprimanded for this or, or not. Uh, I mean, we were, we crossed, we were off in no man's land, you know, smoke and fog and gun shells. Who's to say we ever saw each other? Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they, they pull you into the, the dugout and they, they, the fight kind of goes on. They, they continue, they begin to return fire after they, they know that you're okay. And they kind of, one of the, the young privates, uh, his name is, uh, Sheffield, he's a, he's a British Canadian, guides you down into the dugout. Now, you're the scrounger. Mm-hmm. This dugout is probably something you're very familiar with. You might have even made it. And it extends deep underground, so much so that they, they were actually using like a wire mesh to keep the dirt in place and wooden slats um, as flooring. There's a what looks to be a table mm-hmm. that they've repurposed into a door. And on the inside, there's like a, a cot that you know, at least five guys were sharing a table with all of these candles on them that have been, it looks so, if it wasn't, if there wasn't a war going on, on the surface, this might almost look, you know, beautiful, this dugout. And they lead you in and sitting at the table is your, your sergeant, uh, Sergeant Lee. And Lee looks to you and says, get him on the bed. And they, 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 Sheffield like puts you puts you at the bed and kind of salutes to Lee and returns to the surface to return to fight. Uh, Lee, he um, you can see there. When I said candles, there are these uh, candles actually sticking into the the ends of empty bottles mm-hmm. to catch the wax and allow them to carry the candles around. And Lee pours pours you a a glass of rum, which is what you had rations of. You would have missed it since you were mm-hmm. trapped out in no man's land. He says, I guess we owe you this one. And he, he hands you the glass. And I, 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 take a, I take a sip of it, not like the whole glass. And then I take another sip of it because it's, it's, it's something that I have not had in a while. But I, I, do, I do hand it back. And I, I, I think I, I hand back like maybe half the glass. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's uh, this one's on me. He says, well, you know what, this, this war, you know, makes us do crazy things. He says, so, uh, I was told that you were out there collecting supplies. That was the, that was the that- goal. Uh, timing didn't work out how I'd hoped, but that was, that was what the, that was the idea. And you made it back? I made it back. He says, well... Is, uh, was your time out there eventful? Is everything okay? He says, it looks like you've come back with a bit of a souvenir. And he points to your belt. And, and you look at your, your pistol in its holster. And your pistol is sitting odd in your holster. You might not have noticed it when you were out in Nomad's when you reholstered your pistol when you were talking to Lucas. And you look and you actually see that Lucas gave you his pistol. Oh, no. And he kept yours as a memento. Mm. He looks and he says, you lose your firearm, you find that one out there? Yep. It, uh, I mean, I was out, candidly speaking, I was picking up toy supplies. I know, I know it's not exactly mission critical, but you, you've seen, you've seen the guy's faces. And truth be told, gunfire started, I scrambled tumbled down a crater mine my pistol went flying i found the corpse of a german kid 
Figured one pistol's as good as another. This, at least you have a weapon. At least you have a weapon. Now you have something that you could uh, take home with you when this is over. I'm sure this war is going to end oh, soon. Oh, for sure. Of course, of course, of course. Says, <laughs> now, you, now you'll have a story. <laughs> yeah. Now you'll have a story. And I'll, I'll make sure we get you a, a proper, proper British weapon. That would be ideal. I, I, I would, you know, I, I, I don't want, well, you know what? I'm sure it's, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll, fig, we'll figure it out. We'll make sure that I have all of the standard issue gear and, you know, if I gotta, if I gotta make do with something, you know me better than most. I'm fine making do with things. And I kind of like, I knock on some of the wood slats, which like you said, I, I certainly yeah, like, he, installed some of these. This is good. Good. And he says, uh, I don't need to tell you twice that, uh, if you're ever out there again and you see the enemy, you kill them. Oh, for sure. Of course. You know, that's... This is a war. Yes, that this is a war, a war we're going to win. It's the only way we can. The only way this ends. And uh, he sips on a drink, and he kind of looks to you, and almost in a you drink up too. <sighs> and you kind of sit there as you hear the rumbling of artillery above, de- deafened by the the earth that surrounds you. And uh, and I think that's like a I think like a natural star a stopping point. I think that feels like <laughs> yeah. I feel like that that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap on Ross rifles. That was yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh my goodness, that was wonderful. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Oh, this game, this game, this game is good. I'm I'm, I'm immediately struck by this game because like I just there's so much more stuff that I want to do with it, and there's so many more characters that I want to play like. Dang, I'm I'm over the moon. This was lovely. Oh, thank you. And I honestly, your character is super cool. Oh, I love him. <laughs> like like a like a literally a war tinkerer. Mm-hmm. It was very. I, I yeah, that was good. I I like that a lot. Oh, that was fun. Uh, I wasn't when when I was planning this in my mind. I was like, oh, maybe they'll fight. I'm not sure how it's gonna go. And then you you went for the nonviolent route, and I was like, okay, perfect. This we're gonna have. No combat rules this entire session. I loved it. It and made me just, really happy. Yeah, and because I, th- I think a lot of our the, the podcasts we've done have have had combat. And I was like, I want to do one without. I think we did it. I feel pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm glad you liked I it. I loved it. And thank you so much for coming on Party <laughs> of One. This was a blast. Yeah, I know. I had a really good time, and we we, sh- we should do another episode and, and talk about you know the other stuff. I would love to. But uh, for now, real yeah. quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and Ross Rifles online? Yeah, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel H. Kwan. That's Daniel H-K-W-A-N. Uh, I'll be, that's where I, I retweet all the Asians represent stuff and all of my Ross Rifle stuff. If you want to follow the Ross Rifles project, you could follow um, my company, Dundas West Games, um, or head to dundaswestgames.com. And that's where you can find everything Ross Rifles. Including the Kickstarter, which will be live when this episode goes up. Please back it and make it happen. Uh, I, I got. I need this game to be. I need the full version of this game. <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited for the full version. We've got some incredible stuff in the works. We actually, one of our stretch goals is a whole chapter on on German technology and the German trenches so that for, for the GMs. And uh, we've got actually a, we're actually going to write a, um, so the last hundred days of the war were fought outside of the trenches in open combat. Really? And we're going to write, yeah, so Canada's hundred days is going to, is our final stretch goal. And it's going to be a supplement with new rules and, and everything. That's so cool. That's, that's so cool. Oh my God. Please go, yeah. please go back this game and make <laughs> it happen so that I can have that. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a delight. And for now... Oh, thank you for having me. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take it, future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Daniel for coming on to the show. That game was... God, I loved it. It was so, so cool. I cannot recommend you go and check out the Kickstarter for Ross Rifles. Back it. Make it a reality. Because it is a game that, like, the level of thought and care and research that went into it is astounding. And I think it shows in what a quality evocative, beautiful game that it is. In addition, be sure to follow Daniel on Twitter at Daniel H. Kwan. 
Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Then like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. And if you enjoy the show, consider leaving us a nice review on iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also tell a friend about the show, give us some love on social media, any of those things that help new listeners find the show, which help us do bigger, better, and cooler things. You can also financially support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash jeffstormer, which helps not just the show, but also the games that I create, the other podcasts I produce, all the little things that I work on, all of which are supported through the Patreon. It's amazing. Speaking of things you can do to support me, there's a little show that I produce called All My Fantasy Children that it would mean a lot to me if you could check out. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano says, and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday at allmyfantasychildren.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, guest appearances, or press coverage for the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>